everybody. Welcome in to another edition of Head Coach U. I am Brian Fisher, joined as always by former BYU and Virginia head coach Bronco Mendenhall. And Bronco, I think we've set the bar pretty high in terms of the guest list for 2023 with the two-time Super Bowl champion and the head coach of, of the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Andy Reid. Andy, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, I, I wanted to ask first and foremost, we know that uh, you, you have a pretty lengthy relationship there with, with Bronco. Now, you, after the Super Bowl, you kind of mentioned that uh, you had a play in your playbook called Corn Dog. Do you have a play in your playbook that's called Bronco? What, like, how, how close is this well, relationship between you two? Yeah, we we actually do have a Bronco um, in the in the formation. So it's like uh, we're gonna rip your head off formation. So Bronco, you're close to heart, man. Every week. So, so I've got a, I've got a quick uh, Coach Reed story to share, and, and Coach might not even remember this, but so um, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and we're dropping off our son Breaker to go on his mission, and we're staying at the Marriott Hotel in Provo. I go to the parking garage to get the car. Holly's checking out. That's my wife, and the desk clerk is the wife of a former player of mine, and she says, "Coach Reed is here." and tell your husband and if he might want to connect. And so anyway, I, I texted Coach Reed really quick, and and it was the coolest response in terms of priorities. And he said, man, great to hear from you. Next two days are devoted to my grandkids. And my wife and I were like, <laughs> we thought, what a what a great perspective um, to, number one, acknowledge a text from someone, but also just be really clear about priorities. So I was going to ask you, man, with, with the lifestyle of a, an NFL head coach, where are the time for where's the time for the grandkids and and how do you renew and just how do you manage any other part of your life yeah sure so i've I've got 11 grandkids one one in the oven so that we're gonna have a a whole 12 thing going here a dozen a dozen grandkids so we're we're excited about that and um you know it's uh you've got to make time which we know for for family and uh, this is a crazy business. So there are certain times that you just go, listen, this is it. And we went way up in the canyon there, uh, Hobble Creek Canyon, and just kind of hit out at a place up there. And awesome. it, it was great. It was great. So um, we had all the grandkids with us and they were running around this big house that we had rented. And it was uh, it was a, a blast. I, I was I was wondering, and I'm, I've always been curious as you're as you're dealing with um, young professionals or or men that are professionals playing this game, and they're looking to you for influence and leadership. I, I, I've always been wondering what do you think they crave most? Certainly, they want to be part of a winning organization. Certainly, they want to be coached by competent and skilled professionals. Do you find anything else that they're really I don't know craving or drawn to? Have you seen any trends or tendencies just throughout your yeah. career? Yeah, I think just as humans, we, we want to know how we get from part A to part B. And um, and uh, as athletes, we've been we've had an itinerary to do that. And so but I, I think people crave for that. And people that don't have direction struggle to find direction. So uh, with the guys, they at least here, they they get direction they know they know how they're going to do their day. They can plan it out. They have enough time for themselves to study, be with family, whatever they choose to do, and uh, and then these are the times that we work. And they want consistency, mm. so I try to make it as consistent as possible. And then, most of all, in your relationship with them, they they don't want you to 
tell them a lie. They want they want the truth. And yeah. sometimes the truth is good, and, and sometimes it's not so good. But that, they want that. And I, I've, I've found over the years that uh, that's the best way. As tough it is, as it is for a coach to tell somebody that's giving you their all every day and they're making a living at this, uh, that, listen, uh, you're not going to make it here. It's, yeah. it's, um, and this is why. I try to give them the yeah. whys. And, uh, and y- you know that. So um, that, that, that's what I think the guys look for, they yeah. look for. And uh, I've been doing it long enough where I feel that it's, it's a decent, you know, it's a decent formula. Not always the easiest, but a decent formula. You know, one of the things that I've always appreciated uh, as I've gotten to to know you, but also just watching from afar is that, so there's a, a sincerity and a genuineness and an authenticity and a consistency, which I think really promotes a, a foundation of trust because young people want to know where they stand. Anyone wants to know where they stand. And like you said, they want the truth. And sometimes when the players would come into my office, it's a younger generation at the college age. But uh, they would come in with a question, and I would I would then reframe it. I I start by saying, "How honest do you want me to be?" Right. And, and so then, if they said completely, their therein gave me an opportunity to go there. Sure. And and sometimes without that, I I would be a little bit hesitant because of the relationship and and just trying to continue to build them, not lying to them, but kind of kind of present in a sequential manner what they're ready for. Right. When when you're giving the news like you're giving, maybe someone that's made the roster or maybe someone that's not. Um, how do you balance the, the professionalism of it being a business, but also the relational side? And it seems like you've done that really well. That that seems like that'd be a challenge. Yeah. Well, listen, my hat goes off to you because you're dealing with 120 guys plus, you know, so I've got 90 when we're at max. And yeah. um, and so with that, just by numbers, you really get to know the guys and you get to kind of know their story. And even if they're a free agent coming in where they've played a number of years in the league, you have an idea of the track record and where they've been. And you talk to people and kind of find out, get get at least a little foundation. So um, I can kind of jump right in and I, I go right to the core of it um, immediately. So uh, I, I want them to know that I care, that I've done my homework with them. Um, uh, most cases, you haven't recruited them, really, you've, what you guys have to do um, or what you did in the past year. You've, you've done a great job with that. But I've, these guys, you're, you're bringing them in um, with the draft. And so you're not necessarily recruiting them. They're kind of recruiting you to draft them. <laughs> it's a little different dynamic. <clears throat> but um, I, you know, that I've, I've tried to get right to the to the meat of it and find out what they're all about. Yeah. Uh, we normally get them for four to five years max uh, as a draft pick, um, and then as free agents, you can have them for one year to up to three or four or five years. So, uh, depending on the contract. So I, you know, again, those one year ones, you want to get in and get to know the kid, and you want him to know you. So, and, and a lot of listen. A lot of times they they don't believe you. So we set this up probably a little bit like the church is set up in some yeah. in some ways where we have our meetings, we keep it organized, we keep the times consistent, you know, all that. 
And we try to do the same thing on the road to keep it consistent. There are not a lot of surprises. I'm not going to make them like if they do bad. They're not going to have to run 100 miles after the game or practice or anything like that. We just kind of go about our business and try to learn from our mistakes and try to get better at it. And then our coaches talk to the guys. I try to lay it all out for them and give them a nice format of what to expect day one and um, on how we operate. And then that eliminates some of the, the stress. You know how this thing goes. I mean, these guys are they're evaluated every day. My coaches grade these guys every day that they're in-house, every day. So every practice, every play in practice, they're graded. Uh, the reason why is so that they – by the time they get to myself at the at the end of it, um, I don't really have to say it much that they haven't already heard from their coach. That, and if they're real about their job and professional about it, they can go to their coach anytime and say, listen, why am I not starting? What's my grade? And, um, and, and where do I need, what do I need to work on? Okay, these are the things. And, and they have the answer right there for them. That, that's one of the things that I, I wanted to, to touch base on as well. In the, the 17 years of, of being a head coach, it, it's a, I just felt it was very difficult to, to reach every player and do it all. There, there's only so much time the head coach has. And so the, the staff becomes really, really important. What I learned is the quality of my staff really defined my happiness and, and quite frankly, the players and how well they were doing. And so I was wondering, just as we were talking before we got on uh, about coaching changes, when, when you're looking to add staff members, you know, people that you trust and or that you re really want to work with, what are the qualities or characteristics? And you've done it so many times now. Do you, do you have, I don't know, characteristics or qualities that really resonate with you that seem to fit really well or that you want to? Yeah. So, with? yeah, a little bit like what I said at the beginning for. Our, first of all, you start with the owner. The owner doesn't want, uh, excuse me, the owner doesn't want uh, a problem. Uh, they're hiring you <clears throat> so that they don't have problems. Yes. And, and th that's the way I go about hiring coaches. I, I try to make it where um, we bring in guys that I don't have to worry about that can uh, take care of business with the players and have good communication skills most of all, that are good teachers. And normally, uh, if you're a good teacher, you're compassionate, you're, you know, trustworthy. You, you know, the player players obviously trust you in return, and um, and you're able to get the point across in a short period of time. And you kind of know when to do it and when not to do it. So common sense becomes a a big factor there, and yeah. especially during tough times. And those are the kind of people that I try to try to bring in um, uh, so that we uh, it's still you're it's still a people profession. It's still teaching is first. Um, and uh, you must be able to communicate with, with with the person. And it's not just that person. It's every person in the room and everybody takes a message a different way. So. Uh, you know, I might tell Brian one thing and it gets it gets across to him, but I might come back to you and it's just a different uh, pitch that I'm throwing at you so that you under, understand it. And some guys you can really get after. Some guys need a little bit more praise than they do getting after. And um, so anyways, that they've got to have that feel, that common sense that goes with that knowing people.
Understood. And and so uh, would you say in general, how important has it been for you to have past experience with the coaches that maybe that you're hiring, either through reputation, uh, coaching against them, maybe personal relationship? Is that a prerequisite? And if you found that helpful or really has not that been maybe weighed at such uh, that level? Yeah. So, you know, I worked for Mike Holmgren for seven years in Green Bay. And and then before that, I was at BYU with Mike um, Holmgren. And so Coach Holmgren always said, um, I'm going to help get you to the head coaching level. I'm going to teach you what I can teach you. Uh, just don't take anybody from the staff. Don't weaken my staff uh, for your benefit. Don't do that. So when I went to Philadelphia, I didn't bring anybody with me. Mm. And I started from scratch. And I kind of got the point right there of what he was talking about. Because then they're going to get the core of Andy Reid. There's no guessing. They're going to get what I believe. And it might be different than Coach Holmgren, what he believes. Um, not far off, but there might be a couple little things in there. And you don't need the debate on that. You don't, yeah. At that particular time when everybody's new, you want them on the same page and you want it your way. You get one chance at this. Yeah. And so you want to make sure that it's right in the way that you think it should be right. It might not be right, but it's the way you believe uh, it's right in the way that you can communicate it with confidence. So um, I, I got that. With that first job, I got that. And, and um, it worked out okay. So when I was able to come to Kansas City now, they let us all go. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I was able to bring a handful of guys on the offensive staff uh, with me. And... It was good. They they had they they were ex players of mine and or they had coached with me, and or both. They ex player and coaching for me. Doug Peterson, for example. So yeah. Eric Bieniemy played for me, but he wasn't with me as a coach. Yeah. Um, Tom Melvin was played for me at San Francisco State, my tight end coach, and <laughs> and he's been with me my whole career. You know, college pros, he's he's been there. So. You know, it's that type of it's that type of thing. It's uh, although he wasn't at at at, um, at Green Bay with me. So, uh, but it's that type of uh, thing that you you do. So, um, I I tell my guys the same thing. Hey, listen, uh, if you get a head coaching job, uh, start it your way. Start it your your way. Don't raid the staff. Don't do that. Uh, you need people that believe in what you believe in, not what I believed in, and you don't want them questioning you. Yeah, it's that's really powerful. In the world of college football, the transfer portal is is becoming more and more prevalent. And what I found early on is the transparency of of someone joining. If if they knew what terms they were coming into, what beliefs and what the culture was like, and they were choosing based on something that was real, they would love that and they would stay. If at some point they didn't feel like they were told the truth at the front end and what they chose was not what or uh, what they thought they were choosing based on just, as you mentioned earlier, just the truth. Um, yeah, what's happening now is college football is kind of being held accountable for players leaving, which they can. Um, and But most of it just comes, I think, through their role and, and possible playing time more than anything else. But sometimes it's cultural. Um, I remember coming to visit you one time. I was coaching at BYU and you were with Philadelphia and I walked in and uh, there was a, a janitor working there and th- this I don't I don't even know who this person was and I, I don't remember male or female quite frankly but 
they stopped me knowing I was a visitor, asked, you know, if I needed any help or anything, it's they're cleaning. And, and, um, and then they, they started to talk to me about you. This is all just spontaneous, you know, and, right. and they're just saying that uh, they were treated well, that you knew who they were and you cared about them. And that left a lasting impression on me. So besides your coaches, it, it seemed right from someone coming to visit your facility that here comes a testimonial from someone for, for no other reason than just um, to endorse the place they were working. And it seemed like that culture permeated from just truth and caring. Yeah, you know, I read a book a long time ago, Bronco, called Whale Done. By, I think it was Blanchard or one of the guys who do these business business mm-hmm. books. And um, in Whale Done, it's about a CEO of this company, large company, and it, and he's failing. It's it's falling apart. So in the meantime, he takes his family to SeaWorld during this whole collapse, and he's sitting there watching the Shamu show. And <laughs> here's this guy, this little guy. Uh, compared to this whale with a whistle, blowing this whistle, getting this whale to do anything he wants to do. So literally whale done. So, I mean, this is a a play on words, but it was a true whale. So he tells his family, he says, go on to the next thing. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to try to get to know this trainer and see how he gets this thing done. So he he waits around. He sees, he he grabs a trainer. He goes, how do you get that whale um, to do everything off of this whistle and he goes he goes well um i respect that whale with my life mm. he goes ah mm. gotcha so he goes he tells him the story he goes i'm a ceo of this company huge company it's completely collapsing um i can't get the garbage man this is where that part comes in i can't get the garbage man uh to empty the garbage i mean i i can't do that and he goes well how do you treat the garbage man? Do you treat him like I do this whale with your life? Do you treat him like you do the the owner of the company or or the one that's just below you? How do you treat? How do you treat those people? And he goes, well, you know what? I probably treat them a lot better than I do the garbage man. Well, the point is, um, he went back. He treated everybody kind of with respect. Uh, you know, not necessarily the garbage man is going to take his yeah. life and eat him, but um, he's going to treat him with respect. And as a result uh, of that, um, the company just surged and and had this phenomenal comeback. And and uh, you know, the rest is kind of history there. So that that uh, uh, there there's something that always stuck in my mind. I, I go, you know what? That's a just a simple, easy lesson from a book that has big, big letters in it that doesn't take very long to read. It's a short read, um, but it's a, it's an important lesson and a great analogy. You know, um, I, I was thinking about just your career as, as knowing that I was going to get a chance to visit with you today. And um, I was wondering just from my perspective as the head coach, um, the things that motivate you most, what is it that you enjoy most? Uh, so, so is it the competitive part of the game? Is it the relational part Um is it the strategic part or it might be a combination of all of it? Just the accumulation is, is what the draw is. Is there, I don't know, is there, what, what brings you the most joy and fulfillment in, in what you're doing still? Yeah, I can tell you the two things I don't enjoy are the, are the media and, and, yeah. uh, and, and cutting players. I mean, that's yeah. a, that's a bear because these guys are giving it their, their all, you know, so yeah. uh, you hate that part. The part I, I like the best is the teaching part. And, and the relationships with the players and coaches. Uh, yeah. You know, it's 
listen, you and I were raised in locker rooms. Brian, I don't know if you were. I'm not disclosing, you know, discarding what were, but we're, you know, you're raised in a locker room. And so Bronco and I, and, and that's, it just, it's, that's what, you know, that's, um, uh, the, you love that part, that camaraderie. Yeah. You, you love game day when you're, you're able to focus in for four hours like you've never focused in before. I mean, yeah. it just takes you to the height of it. I'm not telling you we're doing brain surgery, but uh, for for that time, you are just it's a, there's a certain concentration that you just don't get somewhere else. And yeah. win or lose, it does it, it, you're in it, and and so um, you love that that part of it. Or I I love that part of it, and I I just um, it, it's kind of kept me going for for these years. One of the things that there's some really cool research done on, on in building relationships when you do hard things together, how that binds people together and win or lose. Right. Because those are those are experiences you've had when you've tried, as you said, for four hours doing this as, as best you can do. I mean, there, there's there it's there's nothing else when you do that. And, you know, someone else is regardless of outcome, there's been a shared experience that connects you in a way that, wow, was it lasting? And, and I think that. If I were to say at this point, what do I miss? Um, the depth of relationships that can only be formed through that kind of concentration, that kind of work, that kind of all-encompassing. Sure. It, it's it, the without that, the relationships don't go quite as deep. You know, they they kind of stop short. And um, I, I bet that's why it's hard if you have yeah. to let a player go. You know, if um, at some point. Yeah, you know, I saw it. My dad was in the Second World War, so they'd have reunions. You know, he was in the Navy. They'd have these reunions 40, 50 years later. I mean, it was crazy. <clears throat> and it was like they were just with each other the other day. And so that's not that this is war in the sense that you're going to die um, at the numbers that these guys died at. But th this is um, it's that same deal where you busted your tail with one another. You've gone through a battle a physical battle, a mental battle, um, and and it just developed. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter the religion you are. You are in it, man. You're in it to win it, as they would say, right? So, But you're in that thing. I mean, you're in the moment uh, that, that you know that not a lot of people have experienced. And, and so these guys, they come back for reunions in the National Football League, um, my, the team that I, I was lucky enough to coach at Philadelphia to a, to a Super Bowl, those guys get together all the time. And it's just, it's like it was yesterday that they were together telling stories. Yeah. And, and that's, a, I think, the, the neat part of that. What you're, you know, what you're saying, that, you know, that, that grit that goes into everything mm -hmm. and it develops phenomenal relationships. We, we had a, a special forces representative come one time to, to visit with our team and, and I, 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 in my notes, I don't uh, have the research decided, but he said most people um, operated about 60% capacity of what they're truly capable of. But what we're talking about, when you take on something really hard, I don't know if it ever gets to 100. It's easy to say I gave 100, but I don't know if we ever really go to where it's all the way there, but I get we, we get pretty close. Sure. But I, I think that's, that's that other 40% that when you do something – uh, like um, in the profession that you're in and leading people and what that requires, I, I think you go past the the 60 into that other area because it just simply requires more. 
And wow, uh, is it challenging if you don't have success, but is it exhilarating when you do? I'm wondering, at least for me, I always, the losses seem to last, last so much longer than the wins. And I'm wondering how, how it is with you when you try so hard and luckily, well, not luckily, by skill and by diligence and, and competency, you're, you're winning so much. But in the event that you don't have success, what, what's that like for you at this stage of your career and after all this experience? Yeah, that yeah, you feel you kind of feel like you're only giving twenty percent when you lose. That's a, that's the problem. You've given a hundred or where, wherever, but you feel like it's twenty percent. So you battle you battle that. But I, I've tried to with the guys, and this is hard. I mean, I try. I've tried to say, listen, we learn when we win. We learn when we lose, mm-hmm. and and so we're gonna in the process we're gonna try to teach you how to maximize it. So. I don't, I try not to come in in a funk and I, I try to keep myself more level than that and, and really trust the part that I'm saying uh, to the guys. And, and so it keeps you as a leader a little bit more consistent. Uh, you don't have the big highs and the big lows. Um, and, and so it's a, it's a learning experience. It's probably like we talk about life. Uh, yeah. particular earth life here, man. I mean, it's a, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's a challenge and we're going to be, ch- everybody's going to have, cha- everybody is going to have challenges yep. and, and you got to fight through that. You know, there's no way around it. You, you got to go right through it. And yeah. so, um, you, you battle and, and you, as you do this thing and, and, um, a, a game is just a microcosm uh, of life that way. You know, you're going to have highs, you're going to have lows and let's go and, uh, most of all, though, let's prepare ourselves to have success. Let's give it our all. It'd be similar to when you study for a final. You know better than anybody when you've busted your tail and maximized yourself. I can't, I, I can't go over it one more time. There's just nothing <laughs> I'm getting out of it. And then you get this easy feeling of, I'm, okay, this is the best I've got. This is the best I got. I'm hoping I get an A. Um, and I, uh, but if I, if I fail, it's all I got. And maybe I just, you know, uh, I might have to try a different method the next time, but this is all I got for this one. And yeah. so that's what I asked the guys. Let's, let's just, uh, let, let's take the preparation part of it. Let's maximize that. So by the time we get to Saturday and we're eating a cheeseburger over at the hotel, let's make sure, um, uh, that, um, we're, we, we've, put everything in it we possibly can. Let's not, let's know that the guy next to me has done that. And, and then, then, then we've got a team, we've got something here and yeah. let, let, uh, physically let's get it down to where, uh, Broncos strength is going to cover up my weakness and my weakness, my strength is going to cover up Broncos weakness and let, let's get it to that point. And, um, but let's make it a physical, let's make it something that, that I've, I've tried to maximize myself physically. I just haven't been as blessed as that guy next to me, but I've got down mentally, I've got it down physically the best I can. And here it is. Yeah. There, there's so much that you just shared that is really impactful to me. There's, there was a great, there's a great book kind of about stoic stuff called the obstacle is the way. And the more you go around something, you can go around at some point, you're going to have to go through. I mean, you can you can prolong it as long as you want, sure. but there's really no growth happening. You're just kind of comfortable installed until eventually you choose to go through it. Yeah. And 
And so yeah. the other thing that you were just saying that I, I thought was when you know um, yourself and you're not as talented or gifted, either at your position in your matchup or as a team, right? Um, that that takes the uh, a brutal fact assessment of yourself, which, man, sometimes it help, It takes a coach to help someone with that because most of us don't self-assess correctly. We kind of overinflate a little right. bit. But sure. when you do that, uh, I think it's powerful to your teammates to see you doing that. And and because quite frankly, along the way, right, we're going to need help somewhere along the way and we're going to have to give help somewhere along the way. That's right. And there's no one that's invincible. And I think having someone with the consistency and the approach of preparation, uh, that really allows the peace and confidence you're talking about when you get to game day that you've done really the best you could do uh, to that point. And then you see see where it goes. Yeah. Well, your closet's got to be clean as a head coach, right? So you know that. I mean, it's you got to be you've got to be a hard worker. Um, you've got to uh, the players have to know that you've kind of got it together, and and um, you know that that you're willing to sacrifice things for for the cause, you know, for success. And and so they they have to see that uh, not by you bragging, but by you doing. Yeah. And so. Um, as I mean, this is a head coach's deal. So uh, the, this, uh, uh, as a head coach, you've got to make sure that you're you're kind of walking what you're talking and, and make it make it right. And so that's uh, um, you know that's. But I I tell my guys, and I'm listen. I'm old and gray, and probably a little bit too chubby. But I tell them, listen, I'm a I'm giving you everything I got. I'm gonna give you everything I got every day, every week. You're getting it, man. And um, if I'm not, you tell me, tell me, I mean, we're all accountable. So, and, and we're all held accountable. So um, you make sure you tell me, and that's the way we go about it. And, and I, I've been lucky enough to have guys that kind of go with it and have done a nice job with that. So as you're talking about your culture, um, cause it shows up to me, even though watching games on TV isn't the same and there's an entertainment value to it. Um, I prefer just watching games, right, on coaches' cuts and that kind of thing. But there's a tangible culture that I can sense when I watch an opponent or watch any team play, and, and there is with your teams. And a lot of it seems relational. There's a chemistry component that there seems to be a baseline understanding of um, what it means to to be a chief, right, and and what the what the expectations are. And because of that, it appears, right, there's a chemistry component that kind of just manifests on screen. And I'm wondering um, how much, even though uh, football and especially professional football is kind of transitory where you don't get guys to, for maybe more than five years, but how much influence uh, is uh, do your team leaders, maybe those that are coming back, right, that have been with you, how much has does that help? Do you intentionally, when you're crafting your roster, uh, are you considering that? component at all um and how much i guess the leadership and culture from the players is what i'm asking and and how does that fit yeah absolutely that um that's i think that's big culture is big you know so that your trainer your equipment guy all the guys the players see first um athlete, you know your uh weight strength coach all those guys have to be preaching the same culture but to have the veterans also jump in on that is is great and Maybe our biggest, the thing I, I was probably proud most of from our team this year was Travis Kelsey and uh, Pat Mahomes and and Chris Jones, um, Frank Clark. These guys 
who had been around here took these young guys. We have so many young guys this year, but they took these young guys and taught them. You know, there's nothing like peer that peer teaching yeah. you what to do, and then that peer, that leader being willing to share with young guys how to do their job even better and not be paranoid that that guy might take his spot. <clears throat> so these guys did a great job with that. And as a result, I, I kind of I felt like that that might happen. We have three phases in our offseason. So I gave them the first phase just to get together by themselves. Pat Mahomes, go take these new wide receivers that were either veterans on other teams and or young guys uh, that we would end up drafting Take these guys uh, and go down to Texas and go work on the fundamentals for two weeks. Go do that and still get your workouts. I had enough trust and, and Kelsey was right with them. And so those guys, they took the players down. And then the defensive guys were going down. And so, um, you know, they, they put in the work together. They got to know each other uh, on a different in, in a different way than if I'm standing there uh, with them. So they, they, and they still work their tail off and it, it gave trust to the, those leaders that I trusted them enough to give up a pretty valuable two week period for them to go work out. Mm. So uh, there's a great principle that you're alluding to that involvement equals ownership. And when you can trust someone and, and they then get to lead, you end up with a team of leaders which is, I'm wondering at that phase, so even before that first set of workouts, did, did you already kind of uh, think that this particular team was going to be capable of, I, I, most of us always aspire to a conference championship or the Super Bowl. Did, did you already have a, a pretty strong idea? And, and, and was that an intentional decision, maybe in relation to the, the bigger picture? Yeah, well, there are a couple of things that went into that, Bronco. The uh, the fact that we played more games in the last five years than anybody. So, I mean, we've had, and the off-seasons are short. So it gave them a recovery uh, time away from the coaches. Now, we still did Zoom meetings, um, and we were so familiar with that coming off of COVID that we, we were all comfortable with it. And so we, we'd have them on for an hour for a Zoom meeting just to give them go over scheme eval, <clears throat> just so they had that information. But other than that, they're on their own. I mean, they're doing their own thing. Um, so, uh, I, you know, that, that part ended up being, uh, you know, those were big things. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, how early on and may, maybe as um, just from your lens as a, as a head coach, and I know there's ups and downs through any season um, where there were, was there a moment this year where, where you thought this team is going to be the team that will go all the way. This, this is going to be a Super Bowl team. This is going to be super. Did, did that ever resonate prior to that happening? Um, and were you sensing that or was it just literally one game at a time and, and you know, kind of just week at a time? Yeah, well, I'm, you know, we're coach dumb. So we, we go in and we say, we can, let's go, man. We're going to win every game and we're going to win the Super Bowl. So you, you think that way. That's the mentality. And I, for all of us that are over 25 and our frontal lobes completely developed now, normally there's a fear there. But you kind of put that aside and you still think you're like 21 years old. Um, so, you know, you go in with that thought. But uh, I don't think anybody thought that we were going to do that with all these young guys. Our whole secondary were rookies, basically, and our wide receivers were all new guys. We lost uh, arguably the best wide receiver in the National Football League. Um, and so all of a sudden now you're there and you're going, okay, well, people are looking at this. I, that never crossed your mind. And then you never really, once you've made the spiel of, 
you know, we're, we're going to work. So you go right back to the fundamentals that you've always done. You just go, listen, we have to work and exhaust ourselves every day so that we can be better, whether it's mentally and physically or both. We got to push through this thing and take it day by day and go through the process, the process, the process. <clears throat> and, and then let's see how we grow. And let the guys know that, you know, I want to see, I'm curious to see how we grow with no doubts on you. I'm I'm curious because this is all new to you, but dig in and let's go. I mean, spend the extra time because we have a chance now. I mean, we have a chance to be okay if we, if we do those things. What what I, what I'm hearing just as you're speaking is hope and optimism, right? There's a process to it and a a brutal fact, this is what it's going to take, but it's presented with the hope and optimism when you're speaking to your team and, and, whether that's daily or not, are you intentionally, I don't know, do you, do you try to address the motivational part um, or maybe the, the the hope and optimism part? Uh, are, uh, are you intentionally about that daily, I guess is what I'm saying, and, and how much is that part of your mindset? Yeah, so I have these three-by-five cards, and I tell them, if I can't get a three-by-five card, after our first meeting, our first meeting is a long one, but yeah. after that, um, they're not, if I can't get a three-by-five card, they're not hearing it because I'm not <laughs> – I'm not going to meet just to meet and <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to hit certain things and I'll give you a little zip in there of, of some, but other than that, let's get in, let's get to work and go. And that's what I think the guys, they appreciate it. They hate long meetings and you up there preaching every day. And, you know, after 10 years at a place or 14 years at a place, you don't want them to be tired of it. You want to be able to present it to them something fresh and new for those guys that have been around a while. Yeah. When, regarding regarding fresh and new, and and with the sustained success that you've had, uh, daily renewal for you, or is it seasonal? Is it like what what does what does it look like to to you to to be able to show up every day, right, to meet the demands of? No, no one even can d- describe what it is. You know, yeah. like people try to describe it, but it, it you can't you can't really talk about it. So, what's worked for you just in in sustainment and renewal? Yeah, so I mean, I love what I'm doing. I, the thing I love about the off season in the NFL is exploring all different avenues of football. So, and and I'm an offensive guy. Um, although to be an offensive guy, you have to be intrigued by what the defenses are doing. And vice versa. So I, I get in, and I don't want to slight special teams either because there's some great things happening there. But but to get in and find new ways, uh, new things for the players to even be greater than what they already are. They're already the best in the world. So what can you bring to the table as a teacher? And that's really what these guys want, to make them even greater than they already are. I was around Brett Favre, had a chance to coach him. <clears throat> I was around Reggie White, who goes down as one of the great uh, defensive ends of all time. Uh, Sterling Sharp was a phenomenal receiver before he broke his neck. And so these guys, uh, the, uh, I started off my pro career with these guys. Jim McMahon I played with. and yeah. uh, But these guys, they, they really, what they really wanted was one more thing. Your brother was one of the best. I mean, I still have a headache from going against him. <laughs> uh, so the, one of the things that um, – I think these guys really want is you to be able as a teacher to bring them one more thing to be greater than they already are. So that, that should drive you uh, in the time that you have, whether it's in season or out of season, the time that you have to present that to the guys, to get that, Hey, you know what? That's a great idea, coach, man. I, I kind of like that one right there and, and, and work for that. And I, I feel satisfaction in being able to do that as a, 
as a teacher. And um, and then I love diving in and seeing all these new things. Hey, Pat, listen, Mahomes, I, I've got, uh, you know, we've got this great thing. It, it, you know, Joe Blamire was studying this right here and he brought he brought it to me and I think it's great. <clears throat> or Pat looking at some somebody, hey, coach, take a look at, you know, Texas Tech, what they're doing now. And, and then I, I pull it up on the tape and I look at it, you know. Um, and so there's just there's some good things. Uh, there's there's some real good satisfactions out there as a coach that just help preserve that excitement that you have. And I know I'm I'm on the backside. But I got it. So I'm not going to do this forever. I, I get it. And um, but for right now, those are the things that I, I really enjoy. Yeah, it's fun. It's so much fun to hear someone, but you in particular, just talk about you love what you do. And and that alone, man, if you can work as hard as as coaches work and really enjoy it, there, yeah. there's a there's a magical spot in there that I don't think many truly can claim. Um, and that that's a that's a really uh, an amazing thing. Bronco is different than college. Yeah. So this is pure football. Yeah. I don't have all those things that you had to deal with, man. I mean, I, I don't know how you did it. Um, I think it's complicated. This whole, all these new rules are complicated. Um, I, I don't know. It's, uh, and then you have the alumni and you've got the president. And, uh, you know, if, I mean, there's just a, there's a lot of, a lot of things, the athletic directors and, the players, uh, 120 plus player. I mean, there are not enough head coaches uh, <laughs> at the same job to get, cover all that, you know, let you know, alone one, one guy. Yeah. One of the things that you said that I think is really cool. And, and I think players, uh, a, a good friend of mine, and I've said that on this podcast before, Ruffin McNeil, he always said real recognizes real and, and players recognize if you're capable and competent to help them. But they also then realize your motive for helping them. Right. And, and if they realize that you love what you do and you're trying to find something for them to be better, not for you to pass on to them. So you can say, I've got this for you, but that you're passing it on simply to help them become better. There, there's a, a depth of um, motive there that, that cements relationships when they know you're really trying to help them. Um, even though it's your job, you can go past your job pretty fast to your motive. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. And they sense everything, don't they? I mean, yes. players, you can't stand up there and lie to them for uh, 14 years. I mean, it's not you're going to be thrown out of the league in a heartbeat and out of college football, too. I mean, you've got to you got to shoot them straight and they got to know you care and care about them and about the sport. Well, one other thing I just I wanted to touch on uh, just you've been really generous with your time as as um, I'm thinking about, again, what I'm dealing with usually and what I have dealt with was other than BYU where up to 30 or thir between 30 and 40 guys per year were married. Right. Um, so, so much of the college ranks are single guys. And I'm wondering, uh, do, do your players come to you ever and look to you at, when it comes to marital advice or, or, um, their families or, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I'm wondering at, at that stage as young men, young family men, like if that ever crosses into things that, you get to talk about with them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, they come to you for everything, buying cars to, you know, relationships to marriage. To, I mean, you name it there. You've heard it all. And, and uh, you welcome that. I mean, I'm a dad and grandfather and all that. So um, the older I get, probably they open up more. And 
<clears throat> I know I'm not quite in tune with the younger generation. I don't claim to be. <clears throat> I mean, I'll throw my Air Force Ones on, but that, but you know, that's still <laughs> I'm I'm rolling with those, but that's all right. They, you know, um, it's uh, uh, I think they feel comfortable coming in. They know I'll tell them the truth on that. But yeah, no, I, you know, Pat Mahomes is a, a fairly new dad here. He just had his second child and I'm so happy for him. You can see the growth that has taken place in him as a man and father and a husband. And so I, you know, I, uh, I can go through all, all our guys that, that have that, uh, that situation. But yeah, they're, they're, I get excited when they have children and they do good with that. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So when uh, when I reached out to you just the other day um, about possibly coming on, you mentioned free agency in the draft. So here here we go cycling right now into the the next phase of selection and assessment. And uh, I guess besides the ability, uh, so I, I think taken for granted. Um, besides the ability, are are there things that just resonate with you? Like maybe traits or things specific to the Chiefs or, or you just want to work with players that have this particular quality. Is there something that, um, I don't know, are personal favorites of you that you're always looking for, or have a special affinity for someone that has quality X or whatever that might be? Yeah. So players play for all different kinds of reasons. It can be the money. It can be family pressures and, <clears throat> you know, it can be all these different things. Um, that, that go on. Uh, I prefer guys that, that love to play the game. Uh, and if, uh, those are normally the guys that are most successful, um, they, they understand and they, they're respectful to the opportunity that they have. Uh, they're, they're humble enough to know that <clears throat> there's going to be some highs and lows. And so they can kind of temper themselves that way, but they still attack the, uh, the issue. I, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, so I, uh, I, and I want guys that are good guys, you know, uh, they might've had problems, uh, but they've, they've kind of sorted that out and worked through it. Like, Oh, you know, everybody's got something. And so, <clears throat> but they, they're, they're figuring it out and yeah. they're heading in the right direction. Um, so, you know, I, I try to look for, for that and, um, that are good, you know, generally good people, yeah. tough guys, but good people. And the, the, they'll be honest with me when I, when I talk to them, I, I can't, I can't stand when I, I said stealing and lying are two things I just, I struggle with. And, yeah. and if you do, if you do that, you're probably not going to hang with me very long. It's just not yeah. gonna, you know, those are two things that bother me. If you goofed up, tell me. And we'll kind of work through it. I mean, we'll try to figure it out here um, if we can. And, and so, yeah. It's an amazing quality when, when someone um, messes up and then comes to you to tell you themselves as fast as possible. And you can tell their level of remorse and then sincerity uh, of how much they want to fix it. And so I, I love the idea of second chances for those that are sincere that want we've all had issues right and there there are different like dots on a graph at different points in our life and sometimes it's going up and sometimes it's going down and i don't know i, I would love to believe even at the professional level certainly at the college level that there's still a developmental component that we can for those that, that want to and are sincere that we can help 
move past maybe some things in their past. And even though they'll probably be indicted on social media and, and there'll be all kinds of other stuff, if, if they're truly sincere and, and want to move forward, um, I, I love the idea of, of providing help to those to those people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. We're, listen, we're all God's children. So we're all working through this thing. Yeah. Uh, the best we the best we can. And <clears throat> I, I've told you before, I've had problems even in my family. I mean, we've all had issues. And so um, that's a, that's all part of it. You you work through these trials and, yeah. um, you know, that that's part of life. Um, yeah. But we, we know that. So that's that's how we do it. And it's no different for these guys. These guys have they, they have issues man. there. There are issues that come up. It's not just them. uh getting into trouble but they're they've got they're humans they have family issues they there's life situations that you gotta you have to deal with and and um so you know you've got to be able to through experience or or common sense you know whatever it might be you've got to work through through those things with them and still be compassionate but teach and tell the truth well, and the compassionate and teaching, and, and and I know you well enough, there's an accountability part too, right? That's part of the teaching. And that's sometimes that's hard. But um, I, I, I believe that with with the experience that you have, the number of opportunities, I bet that the, the credibility that they're already coming to you with and the level of trust is already so high. Otherwise, they wouldn't be coming. But when they volunteer to come rather than being summoned, that's yeah. always a good sign as well. And, and um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, as the as the draft comes up and and within your organization, man, I know I know organizations do it different. Will you have your own personal favorites? Like this is who you want to draft. Um, will, will is it a, a collective uh, without giving away? I know every yeah. every team has their own thing. Um, what, what's your preference or how, how is it that, that you like to run that day or be part of that day? Well, if they go to BYU, that's the first thing. They got uh, one heads up on the thing. <laughs> um, so now the listen. Our, I, I, used to, I used to tell my guys at BYU, you, you got a chance if you play good. You got a chance with the Chiefs or the Eagles when you were there. Yeah, I, I mean, you you got a chance. I'm not guaranteeing anything, but at least you got a chance. That's right. We'll get you in the door one way or another. Um, my our general manager here, Brett Veach, is phenomenal. He started off as my administrative assistant right out of college. He got his master's at Delaware and um, played at Delaware. He was a great player there. And <clears throat> so he comes on board and uh, he came to Kansas City. He was with me in Philadelphia, then came to Kansas City as a scout and then kind of worked his way up. And um, when John Dorsey moved on, he came in and kind of took over that role and learned a ton from John on on a presentation on how to set up uh, drafts and do all that stuff. So um, he steps in and and he does everything. I, I have full trust in him, mm-hmm. and and so I I just kind of let him go. He's got tremendous energy, phenomenal energy. He doesn't need any Red Bull or anything else in him. He just <laughs> he is one hyper guy. So but and very intelligent. So he gets in and and he'll bring me a list of guys. Now it gets sorted through by his scouts and and then kind of filtered into into his feelings on the guys but he's really never had me look at somebody um that isn't good i mean starting with LaShawn mccoy deshaun jackson cox who's there uh, who's been playing forever at at philadelphia brandon graham i mean these guys 
he put them on my table and said, these are, these are great players. So this was back when he was brand new in the league and, and he's just continued that on. I mean, I, I give him credit for, for bringing Pat Mahomes into the picture. He loved Pat Mahomes from the stinking first day he went down and watched him. And he just goes, this guy is like the best I've ever seen. And, and so uh, it's one guy after another that he does it. So he knows how my time is and that I can't waste it on a fourth, you know, a fourth team holder. He, he knows he's not going to have me look at that. Um, although they're important if you're down, if you're down to your third one, you, that fourth one becomes real important. But he, uh, he's not going to have me spend my time doing that. He's going to make sure that I'm looking at the ones that we potentially have an opportunity to get that he thinks are great. And, and so I appreciate that. So that's really what I do. It's been all narrowed down for me. I'm able to go through it. And then he wants to know. He keeps it wide open. There are no walls, which a lot of teams will have walls between the personnel department and the coaching department. I think those have been, been knocked down uh, quite a bit from the, when I first got in the league. But <clears throat> Ron Wolf was great at that. He allowed the coaches to have their say in things uh, when I was at Green Bay but, um, and was a great teacher that way. The, and Brett, Brett talks to the coaches. He wants their opinion. Um, he's got to make the final decision on it. He wants my opinion, and and um, and he trusts the guys that he works with, the scouts' opinion. And he just kind of comes to a uh, you know a conclusion that th- this is these are the guys right here that we're going to go after. And he's uncanny by how he can narrow it down to uh, the guys that we end up taking. And this year, I mean, our seventh round pick is our starting running back, wow. and it, it, this Pacheco kid that. that uh, a great job out of Rutgers. I mean, nobody even knew who this guy was. And <laughs> he, he comes in and he's dynamite. He's got this toughness and this attitude and desire. And um, he's, you know, he's smart. He can catch. And you're going, he should have been up there first, second, third round. And here he is, seventh round, just sitting there for us. And Veach goes, we got to have this guy. And it turned out great. Our secondary, we've got these guys in the secondary that, some of them were sixth, fifth round picks, and they're starting for us at corner, which is one of the tougher <laughs> positions to play in this league. And and I, you know, I, it's it's crazy how he does it. And uh, the draft is a it's a tough thing. I mean, you got to really yeah. be tuned in. But again, he comes back and he works hard. He sacrifices. He does all these things that you need to be great. And it's like Pat Mahomes coming into the huddle every day. He goes, "Let's be great today. Let's be great." <laughs> You know, every day he says that and he means it. You know, you sit there and you go, he means it. This is like, it's not like he's just saying it. I mean, he means what he's saying. And that's the way he goes about his business. And so, you know, you surround yourself with enough guys like that. And it's just, it, you know, it's energy, man. It's a great, it's a great feeling. Yeah, I, I uh, got my hands on a study one time uh, regarding uh, NFL dynasties. And basically the sentiment was, um, and this was the time where teams were kind of defined by head coaches that were there a long time, Chuck Knoll and Bud Grant and Don Shula and right. Oh, kind of yeah. exactly. And, but they were, they found a, a consistency, which I don't think is earth shattering between uh, an amazing head coach and a cons- and an excellent player at quarterback. And those two being together for a long time, right. That head coach yeah, and that sure. quarterback. And it just seems like, um, You've done a really nice job, not only in surrounding yourself with a great organization, but the way that you've led and then who you've selected and groomed and developed as that player at quarterback. And the two of, I, I think the two most important positions 
it just seems like you've done that with consistency, humility, um, authenticity, but also just really effective and innovative, right? To, to, to make that happen. And it's just been really fun to watch. And, um, thank you for being so generous with your time today. And as someone from the college ranks, having watched all this time, right, there's, there's different ways to do it, right? There's what we do, but there's also how we do it. And I just, I'm appreciative for how you do it and, and providing that example. So really appreciate you being on with us today. Uh, Listen, college football needs you back in it, Bronco, or whatever your desires are. I know you got those horses and you're riding those (laughs) son of a bucks till they fall over, but uh, college football needs you for sure. I, I plan to plan to get back, and um, I just uh, I appreciate the gift you gave our listeners today. And Brian, you want to close us out with anything? Well, yeah. Now, now that you're sending them back to uh, the the college uh, coaching ranks, Andy, I think you, the, the only reason, the only thing that uh, I, I got to say is that you got to you got to take over the podcast next season if, if uh, Bronco <laughs> goes in back uh, and goes back into coaching. So that's the only thing that I, I got to caution you there a little bit. But uh, we do appreciate the time. We know you got to run, but uh, some terrific insight and uh, best of luck as you, you get through the draft. As uh, all roads do lead to Kansas City, not just because you got holding that Lombardi Trophy, but uh, the draft is in Kansas City this year. So uh, oh, awesome. congrats, and and uh, we we can't wait to have you back. On uh, talking more more about the Chiefs and your philosophy. Thank you, well, thank Thanks, you, Brian. Man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, Bronco. I appreciate you, man. It's my pleasure, yeah. and thanks for your time. Okay, be safe.